Dual Stance Battery Life, and an Xbox exclusive coming to PS4. Oh no. <laughs> and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always, Mr. Sawbridge is bringing you episode 173. 173. If this is your first time listening to the show, stick around at the end where we go into a little bit more detail about where you can find us and where you can listen to us or watch us. But we like to start the show off the right way for tradition's sake with Saw, what have you been up to? What have you been playing? I've been playing the same game, The Forest. I'm so addicted to that game. Me too. <laughs> it's so easy to just throw on a podcast and play it or have buddies online playing it. Um, I think I was telling y'all last night, the game does not tell you when somebody joins your world. And <laughs> yeah. I was down a, a, a rock wall, essentially, and I was building this crane. And I like literally looked at the ground, picked up two logs, looked up, and then Eric was falling down the rock wall in front of me. I screamed so loud. <laughs> I did not know that anybody had joined my game. You and, pulled a Joe? And my brain, yes. My brain process went, what is that? Who is that? Why is that a human? And then, because at first I didn't see his name. So at first I thought it was like a cannibal falling down the rock wall. And then I realized it was a person model. And I'm like, what? what is Like, my brain tried to process three or four this, different. Did they add NPCs overnight? Yeah, I was like, and then my, and I, all that went through my head at once. And then my thought was, is my game on private? Because I was like, is this random person joining? Oh, yeah, because we had that going on where I realized the first time we ever played, you know, we had the random people joining, and on my world, I put, I, or I saw friends only, and I thought that, I didn't realize, because there wasn't an outline, it. I didn't realize that was a check area, Yeah. so I was like, okay, it's friends enough, only. It was JoJo, so we were playing with somebody named JoJo, and then there was another person named JoJo joined. Yeah, which set, set for a lot of confusion, which also set the grounds for the fact that this game is really interesting from a griefing, like... For a griefer standpoint, yeah. where you just have a, a bunch of people where if you play on open, there's no way to kick people. So you're into this interesting thing where it's like you can be playing the game, and because it's a survival, I, I, I agree that I wish there was, but at the same time, I think at least the type of game it is, being a survival game. A, a multiplayer game, period. Yeah, a survival multiplayer game, too. But I think it just does have a little bit more in like the, okay, I can kind of understand why this would exist in this fashion. Because the game gives you enough control to keep them from doing too much damage. If it's your world, you can say, eh, I don't want them to be able to do much damage to me, so I'm going to turn off max PvP damage. And I'm also going to turn off their ability to destroy anything in my world. And worst case scenario, they can kill me if they just really try and track me down for a long time. Otherwise, but it's not worth it. Yeah, it, it, it's going to make it hard for them to do. Kind of the, um, what was it, Red Dead Online 2, where if, or is it Fallout? I think it's Fallout 76, that's what it was. If someone shoots you, and you shoot once you shoot them back, it triggers PvP. It triggers mode. PvP damage. Yeah. Otherwise, they're Which just is, doing well, the coolest thing they ever minimum damage. Yeah. The only cool thing, in my opinion, they did that game. But, <laughs> well, at um, least at launch. Yeah, uh, I think they have done some stuff to it afterwards. But it's just you know, uh, even though, uh, but from there we were playing last night and we were being a little goofy because we've been playing a ton, so we kind of know the game. And Saul and I were kind of attacking each other and messing around, and we went down into a cave that had dynamite sticks. I picked up some dynamite and just being a goofball and thinking about the Always Sunny episode where Charlie cuts the brakes on the van and says wild card. Yeah. I turned around with a stick of dynamite, knew I was throwing it outside of harm's way, and said wild card, threw it. And for a split second, it blew up and put rocks in front of the little hole that we had come in. And, and we, it, were like, we were like, we're trapped. 
It legit looked for a second from where I was at. I was like, oh, did I le- it looked, really just I, It trampus? looked legit when you walked up to it. Only garage you could walk through. Yeah. So that was fun. And then later throughout the night, Saul ended up killing me while we were trying to I didn't kill you. trophy hunt. Well, first of all, I did kill you, but that was for a trophy. I'll, I'll just make it. But then you mad. also killed me the rest of the way. Yeah, I did. Because it takes like a good two minutes of bleeding out to actually die. <laughs> yeah, I was like. Eric said, I got it. I'm like, cool. And Brett was still on the ground. I'm like, smack him in the head <laughs> with my hatchet. And he just collapsed. And I came back to the world with dynamite sticks in hand. See, and just that's all I like about that game. Chased around. Is they're like, all right, Saul. You are like, you said so. Like, all right, time, time for me to come back then. I'm going to come back for you. I was like, turn her. Go in settings. Turn off uh, PV, uh, PVE building destruction damage. That way he can't <laughs> blow stuff up. Also, Eric, I know you listen to this show. Stop putting deer heads around places. It's making me angry. Okay, I set the tone for that, and I apologize. Because there's stuff but like... But at the same time, I'm going to keep doing it. I can't it. figure out how to get them off things. I don't think you can. Well, my thing is, is like it's they pull one around the tree, and I'm like, that's birdhouse real estate. You don't touch that. And then there's one on the mantle, and I was also going to put something else up there. I can't remember what I was going to put up there. I think I was going to put a frame picture up there. Okay, but the mantle's at least like a reason. I was going to put a frame Timmy drawing up there. It would have been hilarious, because you could do that. You could make a bone frame and put a, a Timmy drawing inside. You know what we're going to do? Huh? We're going to do that on all of our worlds. I'm just going to go through it. I'm going to make an entire wall. Once Eric builds a base in his new world, I'm just going to build an entire wall of deer heads. I'm like, ha, eat it. You, you, should, put a deer, you should put a deer head in every wall that could be used for something else. I will. I, y'all see how I am with spears? I'll go kill like 10 or 15 deer real quick and get deer heads. Um, and hey, it's better than on my world while I was trying to trophy hunt. But early days, I was like, well, I don't really feel like building a base yet. So I was had a bunch of opportunities to get the, the head trophies that you can get from all the animals. And because I didn't have walls built up, I just started sticking the stick head mounts for trophy heads onto rocks. And so I have a rock that has a huge shark head on it. It has a little turtle head. The turtle one makes me laugh because it's slow enough that it looks like it's a turtle with a rock shell. Speaking of which, was that you who put the deer head on a rock in my world or on a tree? There's a deer head somewhere randomly, and I looked at it. I'm like, Brett did that. Yes, I did that last night. It was like a, it was like a deer head sticking off a rock. And I'm yeah. like, okay, who made this <laughs> rock a deer? Other than the forest, though, because what have you been playing? Anything new other than Ghost? Ghosts. I uh, didn't really play anything else, though I have the idea to. Uh, you know, Microsoft's new game that they came out with, I think they came out with it or either during their live thing that they did for their event or it came out right after, that Grounded game yeah. uh, from Obsidian. Uh, that looks really fun. I haven't tried it yet, but uh, my friend Donovan, who I sold the Gears 5 Xbox to, he downloaded it and played it, and I went and looked at more of it because I had seen it, but for some reason, the little bits that I had seen always made me think it was going to be like a Battle Royale game set with you being essentially Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, which I thought was an interesting idea. Yeah, it looks like a survival game, though, isn't but it? But it is a survival game. Yeah. So it you build like a, bases, and like you fight ants and beetles. and It looks like a mix of Minecraft, I mean, not Minecraft, uh, The Forest and Fortnite. Yeah, and that style kind of reminds I me think of Fortnite. That the art style is what betrayed my thought that it was Battle Royale the first. I, yeah. and, and I know that's a dumb reason, but I guess it's the closest thing it. my brain could slap to it. Um, and I knew that there was buildings, so I thought they were kind of doing a mixture of Fortnite building, but with some other aspects. Um, either way, it looks really cool. Uh, I don't know if it'll ever match the forest because there's just something about the forest that is hard to put your finger on. It's it's there's so much immersion in that game there's so many mechanics in that game that all work well together where Uh, none of it feels janky yeah what do they call it um whenever they they talk about like multiplayer games and games that give you choice so that you can have um 
Just freedom? No, there's a word that they use, and I'm, I can't believe I can't think of the word, because I said it the other day to somebody. It may have been Eric. Um, but it's essentially where you play the game, and the freedom that the game gives you creates situations where you'll have gameplay that no one else may have ever experienced. Um, and I know the word. And it's killing me that I can't think of it, but that's okay. Uh, there, Someone was talking about it in regards to Halo, uh, Halo Infinite, and Halo in general always having a sense of like gameplay and the story that lets you kind of build and do your own thing, which is definitely true once you start adding in the skulls and stuff, too. Yeah. Um, but there's something about the ghost, and it's... I like... You kind of put... You said it earlier. It's like the fact that you can slap something on, something else on, or you can have a conversation with someone and not feel like you're missing out. Because like, I've been playing so much of ghosts or so much of the forest that when I went back to play ghosts yesterday, my wife started trying to talk to me in the middle of me of a cutscene popping in. And that's always the worst. In a and way. I had to like a little rudely <laughs> and it kind of created like a little, I had to put my hand up and be like, hold on because this is important. Yeah. And that created a little bit of a problem, but uh, <laughs> a divorce. now that I'm coming back to that, that <laughs> is something that's on my mind of making sure there's been so many games recently where we, during a cutscene you can't pause. And you can actually pause during the cutscenes for The Last of Us. I mean, The Last of Us for Ghosts. What, what makes me mad is when you hit options and I get in a cutscene or start and it skips and automatically. Yeah, that's why I won't. I will not, will not press pause on a cutscene the first time playing a game, or I'm gonna wait until it's a cutscene that I'm I'm almost all the way through. I could tell. Though, hey, one thing going back to the forest that I don't know if you've experienced yet that really bummed me out. I was going down a rope into a cave, and Kyrie ran up to me and wanted to talk to me, so I paused it. And when I unpaused it, something about unpausing when you're on a rope causes your character to let go. And it, I felt it my does. Death. Yeah, I, I experienced that yesterday, and I don't know what the deal is with that. But it was, it, I don't know what happened. Like I was, I think it was a rock climbing cave, or the uh, the uh, the climbing axe cave, or whatever. But uh, yeah, it, it's one of those things that's. I like pause and unpause. All of a sudden, I was like falling. I'm like, what is going on? Yeah, it really. I don't know. It's one of those things where since the game has not been updated since it came out on consoles, it exists in a cool way where it's like everything that anyone's ever discovered, there's no way it's been patched out. Yeah. But at the same time, problems like this exist where all I had to do is pause the game. So I learned you don't pause the game while being on a rope unless you're at, you know you're at the very end and you could survive the fall. But yeah. the one for me was uh, close to the yacht camp where there's that big clearing or uh, close to the yacht. There's a big clearing with a cave thing. When you go down it, it's the baby cave that's got all the dead babies in the Virginia in there. Yeah. And it's a long The key card road. cave. Right? No, no, is it's it, not. No, the oh key yeah, card. I guess the key card cave is next to the containers. Yeah. So either way though, whenever I unpaused it, I fell for like thirty seconds before hitting the ground. <laughs> there's there's that one and there's another one that is I think we were we went to it last night and it was a cave. It's the one when you continue to go down out of the main cannibal camp cave. No, it's not that one. It's it's the Modern X cave because I got the Modern X for the first time the other day, and it was one of those things. And um, I just didn't like. I just held R three to slide down. I was like thirty seconds. Well, I'm like, this is a long rope. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Outside of Ghost, which I'm having a great time in, I just got to Act Two, and I realized, you know, one of the things I mentioned to you yesterday, whenever I hopped back over to the forest when we started playing online, was how Sucker Punch always has a really interesting thing of changing genres decently drastically, but then also having something that feels decidedly of another game in it. Yeah. Uh, there's some there's some stuff in Ghost of Tsushima, like the platforming stuff that feels very much like 
Infamous's platforming put into a setup of what would you, I, I guess more of an open world like natural instead of a, in a city because you, you you scrap the urban landscape that Infamous has always been known for and you're going to an open world island set forever ago. So that's in there. But one thing I started noticing is as I started leaning a little bit more because naturally when games give you new mechanics, you like to kind of play around with them. So I told you about Ghost Dance and yeah. I had that going for me. And what was going on is I was using more of the ghost techniques. And most of my game to this point, I've done mostly samurai. So I realized, and I don't know for sure. I haven't looked it up. I'm going to. Uh, I was playing right before we had to start. But I realized that the, if the more you lean into, I'm pretty sure at least, the more you lean into the ghost mode and the ghost style of things, this game, I think, has a hidden karma meter. Uh, which karma meters are clearly a, a thing from Infamous and always have been. Yeah, what you do reacts how the it's, world it's around you what changes. The series and, relies on in a way. Exactly. So the story. And this one, I think, what happens is the weather seems to change based off of how. how I don't want to say good or bad because I don't think that's it. This game exists in a really interesting moral gray, which is great because that's the, one of the biggest weaknesses of Second Son is everything's just either obviously morally one direction or the other it's like it's just good for good sake or it's bad for bad sake but this game doing that i noticed the more that i started leaning into the ghost mechanics the game was constantly raining constantly dark and cloudy and constantly storming like i, I started hearing thunder above cool i'll do nothing but play ghost mechanics and then i was like okay what is this so just out of curiosity when i was playing all this morning and last night after i got off of the forest and went back to it i started playing all samurai again and my game has started to brighten back up with the sun. I'm going to play all Ghost Dance yeah. then. It's cool. I'm not going to stick with that necessarily, but I like that it's a hidden mechanic, or at least it seems like it. I'm sure that by now there's something of someone who's run into this and either gotten confirmation or something from someone. So really uh, good. We can offer the community's take if you want. Do you need to step out and make a phone call? <clears throat> no, that was my sister, and it's fine. Okay. I was like, if somebody was blowing your phone up, and I was, I was going to handle the intro community's take if an emergency <sighs> was going on. You're good, but thank you. All right, so community stake question for this week came to us courtesy of Mr. Uh, Jason Clendenning, who's also known as our the Snow Jedi in Discord. If you want to hop over cool into there, name too, I always like that name. Yeah, uh, always makes me think of Hoth. You makes know? There's think, just something about Hoth. It makes really me cool. think of a gray Jedi that came from Hoth, not even a, gotcha. a Sith or a Jedi, but a gray Jedi. Gotcha. Um, again moral gray areas. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but he asked a very simple question. He said, here's a question. If Sony were to implement a Games Pass style system for PS5, would people buy less or more titles? Uh, I was a little surprised that we got, you know, normally we get a lot of Discord, but it really shook up how many answers we got from each platform. So I'm going to start with one that I think is important to go to because it's someone who recently joined our Discord, Mr. Rude Days 93 uh, Glad you joined, man. Hope you're still enjoying the show. One of the things I'm very proud of is that we try to be mindful of the things where while we may prefer PlayStation most of the time, we talk about Xbox in a light that I think is fair. I think I think it's fair to say we're both like eighty percent PlayStation, twenty percent Xbox fans. Yeah, something like that, or at least to the point where I don't. I mean, I just think that there's clearly value in everything. For all the yeah. bad things I have to say about Nintendo as well, well I was, they I was have just, some good things. I was just say. making it a very fine divided line. Of, yeah, so people get our moral stance. Sure, 
But he asked, and I'm glad he joined. I like having someone of a differing voice in there because I think it creates more interesting conversation. He says, for the hardcore gamer, I think so, especially if Sony offers deals like Xbox does with Game Pass, which he actually confirmed that. What I, what I thought from having my own looks into it and some conversations with Blake, uh, who also is you know answers this question, but Xbox Games Pass does give you deals if you buy uh, if you play a game that's on Games Pass and you decide to go ahead and buy it. You get a discount. Yeah. I don't know. I can't remember how steep it is. It may be 10, 15%. Either way, it's a discount. It's a cool feature. Um, so either way, he says, I have right now almost three years of Xbox Games Pass. <laughs> he probably took a lot of advantage of those weird slip-ups and different uh, deals they had going on. He says, so I don't even need to buy games on my Xbox and have spent more money this year buying PlayStation exclusives. For the casual gamer, though, they may buy less because the amount of titles on Games Pass Sub will be good enough for them. I agree. I yeah. think that that's a that's a pretty pretty good answer. Um, well, I just I, well, I'm curious. Do you have three cumulative years, or 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 have you had it for three years? I think he's saying three cumulative years okay. because a lot of people, whenever Games Pass, they had some deals that didn't quite they didn't set up the limitations correctly. Yeah, so, so you like, get like short windows, three people months could for buy, a dollar or something, so and you could, you could do that endlessly. Yeah. So and then they had a so like year, sixteen bucks, you can get a year. Yeah, they had a year or on sale for like twenty dollars one time. Uh, and there was no cap to how often you could do it. So one guy just like upped until like 2025 or something. That's kind of cool. So there's been different things like that. But one of the things this goes back to, and I think speaks a lot to his thing about casual gamers, is we talk about, and I don't know if I'd call him casual, but I guess the way I would kind of take what he's saying and word it towards what I think in line with this is what we go back and talk about often in patient gamers. Yeah. Where I think I think Games Pass and PS, uh, PS Now, which currently exist as somewhat of a form of game pass. I don't want to say it is game pass and I, I, it's weird. Blake and I have had kind of discussions about how they're comparable in some ways, but they are still at their very core different, different services. Yeah. Uh, at least until Microsoft fully implements X cloud into games pass. The moment that happens, they're the exact same service at that point. Um, whether their intentions are the same or not, they all, they offer the same functionality at that standpoint. Yeah. So the, for patient gamers in this situation, I think that that's who I would say people who don't mind waiting on both PlayStation currently and then, of course, Xbox moving into next gen, they can both play the new games that do make them think, you know what, I already have Games Pass for all these other games I've been playing just way down the line when they eventually get added to Game Pass, but for all of the exclusives that are day one games, yeah, I don't have to be a patient gamer anymore. And I think that that acts as a really big deal for them. Um, but to offer a different take on this, and I think it's over on, on our, uh, dis- our, our Twitter, sorry, because I really think it's an interesting take. <clears throat> and yeah, here it is. My name is Dan, who used to be one of the co-hosts over there on Square XO. Uh, I like to call them our uh, brother podcast. <laughs> yes, but brother I, and sister podcast. Brother and sister co- podcast, exactly. So he says, I wouldn't sub unless it was the only way to play the games I love. I'd pick purchasing every time. Here's a fun thing to think about. How many musicians slash artists love Spotify? I'd imagine this could be how game devs come to view Games Pass in time. And then just to add to that, Rob Pitt, you can go see him on, uh, I think, what's his site called? Pitt Gaming, GamePitt.com. Game P-I-T-T. They do reviews and stuff like that if you want to go check them out. He says, thing is, artists get paid per play on the streaming services in most cases. Games Pass and PS Now simply pay a single upfront fee uh, for permanent or temporary use of a game, the devs and publishers see no income outside of that unless people buy the game. So there's two things I want to address here. First, I 
I've gone down in history, and I still will always this will be a hill I die on. I don't think that artists are complaining about Spotify and stuff like so, like some people who love music make it out to be. I don't think that that's the case, and I don't think that I think that the same thing happens with Games Pass. People say. Well, these game devs are losing losing out on money purchasing people who would who would purchase this game. You are correct, but at the same time, nobody held a gun to their head and made them take the money for Games Pass. A game dev is a company. They have a projected revenue for the first year of that game being released. They have financial advisors that go in and say, "Hey, you know, this is a it's a game made by Sucker Punch." Uh, it, it's with Sony first party exclusive. We're going to say that this game will hit 25 million in the first year that it's out. And Sucker Punch is like, okay. Well, then in this case, Sony would come to them and say, hey, for PS Now, we'll give you $15 million to put it on day one. It's Sucker Punch's decision to say yes or no. Well, now, this, this is, is a weird one because this is first party. Well, yeah. I was so let's say, take it. But you can imagine, use that in any yeah, example. Let's just say that Sucker Punch was third party. Yeah, you and, can use that as, a, as yeah. any example. Would they rather take the risk and not take the 15 million dollars which gets them that much closer to day one yeah and and that means more people are purchasing or would they go ahead and just take it and be happy with it and i'm sure that there's been developers who have regretted putting themselves on games pass but i would i would think that number is tiny because you still see developers every single month adding more games to games pass or every quarter whatever they add um so i don't necessarily think that these streaming services are taking the money of anybody's pockets like people think they are. I think that that the way that these purchases are made and the way that these are put on these Games Pass slash PS Now, they're compensated for what is a projected number. Now, granted, it could be a one in a million lightning in a bottle kind of game to come out and it could have surpassed whatever they got paid a million times over, but you would never know mm-hmm. because it was on Games Pass. <clears throat> Everybody bought it. Um and not only that, but that like what we were talking about earlier, there is a way to purchase a game on Games Pass. Mm-hmm. So like if you like the game enough and if you want to support the developer, you go buy the game then. Like yeah. it's that easy. On coincidentally enough, you can't do that on PS now, can you? You can. Once you have well, not while you have PS now, not while you have the game downloaded on PS now, I don't think you can. I don't know about that, but I mean clearly you, you can would still have buy to, the game. You would have to uninstall the game from your PS I, Now library I think and the then way... go to the store. I think that the way that PlayStation handles it, and you can go on if you still have your point, and I'll, I'll double check. Well, I was just going to say, like, I, I, I am not a fan of argument, of, of this argument, or I say not a fan, but I don't agree with that argument at all, of streaming services hurting the the little band or whatever. I think they're being compensated just fairly, or they wouldn't agree to be put on these streaming services. And in this day and age, vinyls are a thing, but nobody buys CDs anymore unless it's some kind of limited edition CD that comes from their merch store, which coincidentally enough, most bands don't have their own separate merch store. They're owned by the record label. So if I want to buy merch from a day to remember, I have to go through um, whatever their I can't think of what their the Bulldog record label. Um, I got to go through that record label's merch store Victory. to buy their Victory. I got to go through Victory's merch store to buy clothing, which they don't get the whole percent off of that anyways. So I think that the more and more we go further, the more and more streaming is going to become a thing. And I, I think that these people are being compensated for the most part fairly. I think every now and then there's a deal made and they end up not making their cut. And that's not anybody's fault, but that person who made the deal um, and the person who accepted the deal. Um, 
But I actually really enjoy the way Xbox does Games Pass because it is very seamless. If you want to buy the game, you already have it installed. You just give them the money and say, hey, I like this game. It's a good job. Um, in a very similar... In a very similar... <clears throat> oh. Uh, I like... I, I don't well, know who this <clears throat> is. <laughs> I'll say real quick. It looks like from searching the PS Store, at least on the browser side... It still lets you download the games uh, and pay for them and add to the cart and buy them. I think what happens on the console side is that the PSN has in- introduced this idea of what version of the game you're buying so that games don't have to be listed multiple times necessarily. So what you do is you click into a game and then you say, well, what version are you buying? The normal, the gold, or it'll say, well, what version are you buying? Are you getting the free PS Plus version or are you wanting to buy the game? And Because, you know, one of the problems that used to exist is that if you got a game on PS Plus but then you unsub from PS Plus – you didn't have an option to buy. This is really early PS4 days, but you did not have the option to buy the game. So the only way to play it again, if you decided you wanted to, was to re-up your PS Plus sub, which is kind of what's going on here. Like You know, you, you run into that with PS Now if that was going to be the case. But I think because I did it the other day, it asks you which version of the game you want to buy, and you click the one. So if you say, I want to use the PS Now one, it downloads it. If you say, I want to buy it, it buys it. Yeah. Uh, now, going back to that and just kind of offering a different opinion, because I do look a lot at artists and I've, I've known a lot of um, smaller artists, you know, for a long, and it's still true to this day, actually. I'd say most of my favorite bands are artists that are not massive. Yeah. They're all relatively niche. And I love that from a lot of reasons. I think their music is, tends to be more interesting. I also think that when you do take the effort to go out and see them live, there's a way different dynamic. They care more and it's cheaper. It just creates a different thing. And you are typically when you go see them live direct, you know, directly supporting them. Yeah. So going back to the well, idea of the, the streaming part, service, it, it depends. The venue still gets cut. Depends on and the, the venue, record label still gets the, cut. Yeah. So uh, again, it depends. All most of the time. It depends the on how the record the one, label was done. The, the record label is the one paying for the venue most of the time. No, the venue the books most the band. Of the, huh? The venue books the band. And that's why some venues get to determine what happens. They determine so how who much. pays the venue. The nobody, nobody pays the venue. The venue is trying to get the band in because they make money off of sales. I always thought the venue is up for rent, essentially. Nope. Okay. Nope. I'm, mis- I'm mis- mistaken on yeah. that. So, and that's what I'm about to say, too, because, you know, I've done, I've gone and went and played shows. I've never had to pay to play a show. That would, that would suck, but it depends on the venue, I guess. Like, <laughs> yeah, and again, Stanley every arena. venue's different, and a lot of bands will actually try and avoid venues, depending on, unless the venue's just so big, that want a percentage of merch. Yeah. Uh, and again, it depends on the size of the band. If you're a big enough band, you don't care, because at some point, it's like, whatever. But there are a lot of bands who say, and this is going to be true of gaming, too, and I think that this is what makes that argument really weird. As a musician who's getting really close to about to be putting out some work, in an ideal world... I wouldn't have to rely on streaming service because, as you know, I've put out stuff, right? And it's right. been on streaming service. And despite having thousands of listens, we've only made like 100 bucks across all that because it's just the way that that kind of works. Now, going back to this, it's a double-sided thing well, with I myself say, and other people. What stops you from making a CD, though, and distributing it as well? Oh, I had it. But people don't – I mean, I do have CDs. And so we have had some people buy them. And we've made – more money, ironically, that, off of CD sales and fault, streams. Is it the fault of the streaming services? Or nope. Just because people use no, them? it's 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 a mixed bag of a bunch of stuff. So right. people That's want what I'm to that support was my the point artist. Is I'm not going to put blame on the streaming services or say well, this is the yeah. way that it has to be because it, it's just what it is. <clears throat> yeah, but the other side of that, what I really was trying to get to is the you have two sides from a sheer business perspective and what the bands can do to make more money out of it so that their career as a musician or in this case their career as a game developer definitely on the more independent side of it yeah because that's that's the ones i'd say you know let's think about this from an independent musician standpoint and an independent uh, game game developer because realistically a lot of what you were talking about is studios 
uh, and, oh, I mean, sorry, not studios, publishers that own the studio, if they're not independent. So well, I'm talking, about, I'm publisher. talking about strictly independent stuff. Sure. But either way, so you, but you also talked about uh, record labels and whatnot making the decision too. But if you go, or you talked about record labels. So a lot of the time, streaming is determined from music standpoint from the record label. But if you're an independent musician, you make that choice yourself. Yeah, but- Most everybody makes that choice because two things. No one wants to make art in a vacuum and then put it out there and not have anybody be able to listen to it. Streaming services right. are the way now. And then, of course, SoundCloud. Those are your ways of being able to put music out so that people can listen to it. And that's the same of game development. A lot of people will look at this and go, what are the pros and cons? The pros are we get some uh, you you know, get money for, for, stream, for games. It's we get money up front and we get people playing our products we spent years playing. Maybe... We could have hoped that they'd buy it, but there's a chance they don't. And then not only are we not making as much money, less people are playing the game that we poured years of devotion into. Same thing with music. You kind of yeah. go, I spent months or sometimes years making this, and if I don't put it on here for streaming service, like I get a little, I get like not even a penny per play. Yeah, but at least people are listening to my music. People know of you, yeah. So that's kind of the the in-between realm that these things sit in. And I think that also what kind of helps both PS Now and Game Pass, I'm, I'm still indifferent on day one in terms of whether it's the best thing or not, but I think it's a game-by-game basis. And, I think the, it's a, and the upside is, is you can always choose to take it off. I think it's a dev-by-dev dev basis. I think it's whether, that, yeah. it's whether the dev accepts that uh, money or not. It might even be a game-by-game game basis. You may do, because you know a lot of the times they'll do um, test trials of games and be like, what do you like and don't like about it? And they may make a game, yeah. be too deep into it to be able to do anything, and then find out that the, most of the people who come through and test, tr- test play it are like, it's okay, but I don't really love it. Like, and then you go, crap, if we don't put it on Games Pass, there's a high chance that we'll get lost in the mud of all the other games that are coming out. I'll, so you take the money instead of the risk. For all those people who say that they're not, they don't like games that get added to streaming services day one because of potentially lost sales or popularity, whatever it may be, um, I'd like to pro- propose to you a game that I, in my opinion, blew out of the water because of this. Rocket League. I was going to bring up Rocket came League. to PlayStation Plus for free, which is the same when it basic came out. thing. It is the same concept, and I guarantee you. Rocket League would not have been as big as it is or was back then. It would have, it would have taken much longer to blow up. It would have done much longer in sales to get it to that point if it wasn't for PlayStation Plus and it being free. The same goes for Fall Guys. I bet you Fall Guys is going to be a hit this month. I think so, And we'll so get too. into that here in a little bit. Yeah. Um, but- and I guess to go back to that, too, that goes back to the thing I was just saying. You can always take the game off. If, if you want yeah. to say, hey, if you... If, well, unless there's a contract involved, but we don't but know like, that deep of the... And again, you can work the contract out. So what if Microsoft yeah. approaches you or you approach Microsoft well, and say, we think our game would be a good fit for Games Pass or... Microsoft says, we think Games Pass would be a good fit for your game. Then what happens is you can go, well, what we'd really like to do is be day one on your platform, but only keep it up on your platform for a month, which we see happen. But and then, then you're after that get, month... You only get your first projected month's revenue. Exactly. So then, nobody's going to do that. Well, somebody might. If they... It's going to be and rare. Again, what you can say is, we'll do that, and then if not, we can, you know, at the end of the month, we can rediscuss a, an extended contract that may involve less money, but still... I don't think... I don't you know think, what I mean? I don't think you could do that. <laughs> I don't think that Microsoft would go for that. It's like, well, you're going to get three months or you're not getting anything. And no, I, not I, not. I definitely think you could. I, I think with any business that comes into contracts, they definitely... They are a business after all. They definitely aren't going to let you keep readjusting contracts based off your success level. Well, here's the thing about this. is right. It's not only do you have your own success level to look at because... 
take Rocket League. Let's say Rocket League would have launched on PS Now or Games Pass day one, right? right. Let's just say both of them. And in the first month, they realized that six million people downloaded and played the game. Yeah. And they're seeing a bunch of things where people are like, oh, I love this game. And they go, you know what? If we take the service off, if we take it off the service right now and it's blowing up and it's hot, if at the, or at the end of this month, say we put it on there for a month, we take it off at the end of that month, moving forward, this is very analogous, analogous to what Rocket League did. Yeah, because it was gone for a it month was, It was only a month, yeah. and then after that, the game continued to sell gangbusters. And honestly, even though it launched really big on PS Plus, it went on to do way better as the years went by. Yeah, of so, course. And I think, but I think PS Plus was the was the determining factor in that. I, I think it was definitely a big hand in it because it, it makes it easier to want to try that game. And part of the reason you know that the PS Plus was a big hand in it, it's about half this, and I think also half of where the gaming service had moved because it's Rocket League is a game as a service essentially. Um, yeah, Rocket Powered Battle Cars is the exact same game basically, and I'm, it was a PS3 game. And it sold very poorly. I remember that game. Um, so, but to that, I guess my last thing was to to my initial argument about being able to renegotiate is for both businesses. There's a look at there's more there's more value for us keeping it on our service because people are downloading it and playing it like crazy. Or hey, you know, you got modest numbers and that's good. And essentially, both sides can come at what they want from it. Maybe they'll say, well, we want the game to be on there. We want this much money. And then Xbox goes, we'll give you that much money if you either let us keep it on for the next nine months or maybe keep it on for the the life of the game. Like, we'll never take the game back off. And that's kind of like Xbox can come with the data that they see as the important data, and so can Rocket League in this weird situation and say, oh, this is what we think is best. Um if you want to close that off with anything, go ahead. But I do want to get to some more of these. Well, yeah, I, I was just going to get to it with a very, a very similar thought process uh, on Twitter. And that's Matt. He says, I've subscribed to PS Now, and I'm loving the fact I get to play games I would have never tried but would still buy physical. Every game I bought disc for disc, I still have, and I don't have to trade in for anything. So I like this aspect of it, specifically the first part, because he likes to try and play games that he never would have bought initially. Mm -hmm. And there are, I think people undervalue that aspect of both PS now and games pass is that you could just be bored one day you may be broke or you just may not want to spend any money and you may decide I'm going to browse a game. And then you may see something like, Hey, that actually looks kind of cool. Yep. And you would have never paid money for it. But then the, the, the developer Technically, with your download, it, it worked out with them getting their page shared from Microsoft or Sony, and you got a game that you now had for free. And it doesn't matter if you like it or dislike it, because if you dislike it, you just uninstalled it and wasted some time. And you didn't waste money. I always thought Super Hot was a really cool looking game. I've never been invested enough to buy that game. Mm-hmm. I got to play it for free on Games Pass, yeah. and I loved it. And yeah. after that, I was like, you know what? I actually would have bought this game if, if if I gave it to try first, but it's one of those weird things in gaming where there's no real demos that exist. So like, yeah, yeah I can't, I couldn't have done that. Games Pass and PS Now availability become the new demo. Absolutely. And that's why I think, that, I, I guess my in-between that I'd hit on this is I do stand on the side of wanting to support the developers. And that's why, you know me, I will very often... I said it uh, in relation to a tweet the other day where someone said, what's your biggest determining factor of buying a game? And it was like reviews, uh, YouTube coverage, all these different things. And I said, for me, it's honestly, I just want to see as much uninterrupted gameplay as I can. And if I can normally on most games, if I can see two to three minutes of uninterrupted gameplay 
And if it's a story-heavy game, a little bit of the setup for the story, I can normally tell whether or not I have enough interest to take a risk on it. And yeah. you know I did it with Plague Tale, and it ended up being one of my favorite games. I did it with Greedfall, ended up being one of my favorite games of that year. I do it often. I did it with see, Tales of Zillia back on PS3. And that's one of my New Year resolutions, quote-unquote, is to not do that. Yeah, see, and, now, and it's different. Everybody has their own thing. But I exist in this thing where whether it's because I'm an artist or what – I've always had this, even when I wasn't. I like the idea because I, I guess growing up, I wasn't lucky enough to have the money to support people. So now that I am, I constantly think I really want to support these people. Worst thing that can happen is I spend forty dollars and then end up thinking the game wasn't worth forty dollars. But I can again, since I buy physical, I can trade it, get some of that value back initially, and then kind of just go on about my business. And and there's more a, often than not, that's not failed me. There's a fine line there between that, though. It's, it's and that's. Supporting the little guys is, is perfectly fine, and I suggest that you would do it. And mm-hmm. I agree that you should do it. But then getting wrapped up into that mentality without stopping yourself, and, and that's how you become so hardcore PlayStation fanboy or Xbox fanboy. Mm-hmm. You're like, I love them. i got to give them my money. It's like they are a multi-billion dollar company. They don't care about your $60 for that game. They're going to give you that money no matter what. Um, but another thing that, uh, that was said on Twitter that I like is – I like it. I don't like it at the same time. Was Rob again? Rob Pitt. He says every single trailer would be full of entitled people asking, "quote Games Pass," unquote, just like the Xbox ones. It'll result in a lot less sales as people will just wait for it to be free instead. I've never seen that. <laughs> I definitely have. I've never um, seen somebody requesting it for Games Pass. Um, but I think that no matter what, that would be very annoying to see constantly. But I think that for no matter what. If you are a company offering something mm-hmm. that is good enough to warrant praise and request for that service, you're going to get it no matter what. All po- and I guess the way I look, it, whether or not it's positive or negative, all things have some positive and some negative aspects. So even if you try and look at all the positives of something like Games Pass, like we've just been talking about, along with some of the negatives. Yeah, it's going to have some of the is, negatives. This is, again, one of the most extreme-scale negatives. And this is honestly one of the biggest negatives I could see coming from it. But I still think it'd be from a fairly – again, it's, Small crowd. it's hard to gauge on the internet. They're so vocal that sometimes yeah. it makes them seem like a bigger group than they really are. I have a feeling that this would honestly be a smaller the, – the smaller group – but it is one of those things where, as you see it, it's a little disheartening. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to do a couple more here, and I'm going to go grab some from Facebook because we've I, not gotten from over there I yet. I do want to grab one last one from Twitter. It's Natsume, and they say digitally is environmentally friendlier, which that's a good point. It is. I've never thought of that. Actually, if we're going to go through this, then we're going to go to the other one that I was debating, and that's Mr. No Fate, Sean Juanillo, one of our patrons. He says, I will always prefer prefer ownership over any rental service or slash services as this gives me more options and holds more value. One day, physical games will become the ultimate collector's edition in a digital world. But this goes back towards something that I quoted the other day, and this comes down to digital is more friendly, and you know services have their own thing. But again, until you have the same rights owning it digitally as you do physically, it, it, I prefer ownership. And honestly, if you told me that I could buy the game digitally and I'd own it completely and I could sell it to you or let you borrow it, I'd do it in a heartbeat. It would honestly make a lot of my stuff easier except for collector's editions. What about games like on Steam where then you can gift them games? 
Well, gifting is a little different because gifting is you can't gift them your game. You can buy a game and then gift it to them, right? Which is a, it's a closer in between. But honestly, I can do that right now by going to Amazon and say, "Well, now you can't on PS4. You could for a long time." And just saying, "Give me a digital code of this game, and I'll send it to somebody instead of redeeming it myself." You know but what? it's still not perfect because I want to be able to take my exact license. Say. I don't need this license anymore. I will never play this game again. You want to buy it for $15? It's yours. You know what's interesting is in, in relation to his comparison, will games end up being kind of like comic books in 30 years? Probably. Or will they end up being like be like VHSs? Well, VHSs are making a renaissance. It's a problem. Please don't. don't you're <laughs> lying to me. I'm not. I'll Google this. There are people who go out of their way to buy rare VHS. That, that is such a small percentage of the population on Earth. <laughs> and the reason you know that is I went to a uh, I went to one of our the Owl's Nest, one of our little flea markets the other day. Oh, so you went to a hipster store, and that's what you saw. No, this is mo- mostly older, older people, people I know. shopping, and there were some VHSs, some of which were exactly what you'd expect, $1. A couple of which, which are more rare to find. But your Titanic was in there for like 60 Yeah, Titanic was in there, I think, for, I think somebody had it for 40 with a fairly decent case around it. So it's it's weird, man. They're definitely coming back around. I'm gonna hop over to Facebook though, and one of the ones I want to do is the one I mentioned earlier, which is going back into kind of a different opinion. Someone who speaks more from the Xbox side. Blake says can't speak on Xbox numbers for their console, but Xbox Games Pass sells gangbusters, or Xbox Games rather, sorry, sell gangbusters on Steam despite having Game Pass on the PC. So I think sales would stay up. I don't know if they would actually rise or not, though. Hard to say without being an analyst and really being able to dig into the numbers. I don't buy games on Game Pass, but people very obviously do still. Are there game, Xbox games on Steam? Yes, uh, Halo's on Steam, uh, both Master Chief Collection and Halo Infinite See, I thought it was announced. Just, uh, is Halo Wars, Halo Wars 2? Probably. I've been wanting to play that lately. There's a lot yeah, of nope. Microsoft games suddenly on Steam. They have the, they have the not-so-great Halo Wars game. Yeah. So, anyway, when you're looking at all that, it's something to look into. Not every... well, But then again, third-party third games. that You can get Vampire on PC Game Pass, right? That's actually where you started to play it, if, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Games Pass? Yeah. Vampire? Vampire PC Game Pass is where you yeah. started playing that, right? Yeah. Okay. Vampire still exists on Steam. And if it, if the game still performs well, well on Vampire's Steam. Vampire's not a first-party first, part, first party game either. Well, That's yeah, but what no, he's, he's about. Yeah, he's saying across the board, like, the question is very simply, if they introduce something like that, regardless of whether it's first or third party, yeah. would you buy more or less games as a whole? And if the game's available on PC Game Pass but still selling well on Steam, then it, ultimately it kind of does show you, at least on a smaller scale, what it could look like. And I don't yeah. know those numbers either, but I don't it either. is a good example yeah. of being able to dig into. Uh, all right. Last one I'm going to throw in here because it's just Chris Figgs, uh, me and him, in case you've not known, uh, we released Friday, a spoiler cast. We're bringing them back in a new form. We're going to call them spoiler chats where we are, Looking at games, be it them newer or older sometimes, uh, where we go into them and sometimes Saul will be on, sometimes Chris will be on, sometimes other people will be on. It's going to be a little bit more of an open door show, and it won't necessarily be scheduled. We'll kind of just do them as we can, uh, but they will be definitely – it will. It, it is returned now, and they'll be more often uh, considering that we've not done one beforehand since Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. So – they are coming back, uh, be it, you know, whether it's me or Saul or me and 
Blake or me and who knows. It'll be people. Uh, but I do think that who you're going to see more often than not is Chris Figg. So go check out that episode. Let us know if you're liking the series coming back so that we know that you really do want us to be doing this. Not um, like Reader Mill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got to give us the feedback. And, of course, let Figs know how you thought about uh, him and I working together so he can a new get di- all the good feelings A, do- about a new dynamic has appeared. Yeah. He says less. He'd buy less. I genuinely don't understand why anyone would ever choose not to pay for Games Pass, Game Pass, but buy Halo Infinite on launch. Game Pass is currently fourteen ninety nine. That's four months, and Halo is probably out of your system by then. Yeah, I mean, at this point, like, I mean, supporting the developers, I guess. But once again, it gets into that weird thing, like where they have your number if you downloaded it. I think that that kind of supports them in a way because they did get money for putting on Games Pass. Even yeah. though three four three is a big developer, yeah. See, that's the kind of like where I'm like, that my little sixty dollars isn't going to support them at all. They've already gotten paid. I mean, it's going to support their ability to be able to stick around. And I think that's why you see a lot of studios get closed. Well, <laughs> bad the, sales. Well, the big the big studios like three four three and stuff like that, they get closed because enough people have decided they're not going to support their game. <laughs> that's true. That's true. It happens. It almost has to happen in mass. Uh, but thank you guys. Appreciate y'all coming in on that. We're going to go ahead and every move single over. one of you into the news and the news this week we're going to start off with is ps plus games for august have been revealed to be call of duty modern warfare 2 remastered though remember it's just the campaign they did not remaster the multiplayer probably due to warzone uh and actually i think someone mentioned that warzone is mentioned in the call of duty 2 remastered's description so they're wanting to get people to play that story and then be like you remember how much you love call of duty 2 yeah go try out warzone if you haven't yet uh, so that's coming. And then like Saul mentioned a little bit earlier, we are seeing the service return to the idea of launching games on it with the other game for this month set to be fall guys, ultimate knockout, which is like a really, really weird battle royale is what it's everything that I can see. It looks so fun. It looks very fun. I'm wondering, you know, it looks like a, a thing full of party games. Hold for battle is royale. he wearing a, uh, 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 Prinley? No. Oh, a printy. Pretty, yeah, pretty outfit. I don't think so. I think it was just a penguin, but considering that printies just look like penguins, it's possible. <laughs> uh, anyway, next thing up, and a cool crossover between different Sony companies. Noah Cyrus, who is signed to Sony's uh, Columbia label, worked with Media Molecule to create a original music video for her song July entirely in the creative suite of dreams. I watched the whole video and it's very impressive. Uh, it continues to show me that dreams can just do and be anything. Also someone after our little joke about halo. And I guess I'll go ahead and say just real quick, a joke about halo. We, uh, how the guns flat textures look like they were made in dreams. Uh, there is a video up from digital foundry that after looking at and kind of seeing what they're talking about, it definitely goes into what's happening with the game. And I, you know, after last week of us talking that it just looked off, I still agree that it looks off. It was a weird way to show the game, but Did there is like, an in tech, uh, an in depth analysis that shows an why it is. Yeah. And it looks like the game is actually more detailed than what they showed, but the global illumination system they used didn't job well with some of the other things they have Which, going. I wonder if that's something you just turn off and then not worry about. I don't know. Or I tweak think, to a point where it doesn't do that. It's going to be hard to say. I think that they're just going to have to come up with something. So either way, if you are interested Craig. in seeing what it could look like, go watch that. But yeah, Dreams is looking amazing. And actually that, that Dreams Halo thing looks really good. I was surprised. It's missing Craig, though. It is missing Craig. Craig's very important. They should have found a way to, to throw him in there. You yeah. know what I mean? So next up, speculation is abound after users noticed what could be 
a leak for Marvel's Avengers. On UK retailer base, their listing for the game was accompanied with the verbiage, play as Spider-Man exclusively on PS4. This would make sense, of course, given that the character's solo game is exclusive on the system, but this has yet to be confirmed one way or the other. Though also, alongside this, new gameplay for the Avengers apparently has been shown. I have not got a chance to do it. They did another one of their war tables, and people seem to be far more impressed with what it is than what we were shown just a couple months back. Yeah. So still, I've not watched it. I my interest is fairly low. Game. No, my interest <laughs> is at zero. Yeah. Negative if possible. I'll still watch it, though, to be fair, because I do. I, I want to give the game its fair shake because I've thought for a while that this Marvel diving deep into really investing into making sure their games match the quality of their films. Not that I think their films are just the epitome of filmmaking, but they're clearly well done every time. So if they can do that and match that with their games, they're in a good spot. They're not real cinema. <laughs> yeah, they're not real cinema. They're a theme park or whatever it was that he is that said. what he said i'm pretty sure he sounds like a roller coaster ride which i think is true actually Lord forbid films be fun either way he said uh, alongside that um or i guess i don't know to me that makes total sense does it suck maybe if you want to play a spider-man but are on xbox i guess yeah it does but at the same time and this doesn't make it just that it's all right but at the same time if you're that big of a fan of spider-man you would have already bought a playstation to be playing the Spider-Man PS4 That's game? not true. There are still people to this day playing oh. Amazing Spider-Man 2 on Xbox 360. Backwards <laughs> compatibility on the Xbox Yeah, but I'm X. saying is if you're that big of a fan of Spider-Man to where this is just like earth-shattering for you, then you probably have a way around it. Now, though, of course, the bad part of that is I've still not been able to see full-on cross-play stuff for Marvel's Avengers. So the problem with that comes that if you migrate to PS4 to play it so you can play as Spider-Man, you risk alienating yourself from the rest of your friends that may be playing it. Time for a hot take. What's hot Single take? answer. Based off the question, there is no I could think, or if this is involved, if that's involved, who's the better Spider-Man? Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield. Okay. Well, hold on. You said who's the better, Spider-Man? Yeah. Okay, making sure I heard the question right. Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, I was going to say, it doesn't matter what you said by hold on, and you done gave your answer. Your hot take is in the, is uh, in the pit. That's fine. I was making sure I heard the question correct. So, either way, uh, alongside that, it, we've gotten confirmation that Marvel's Avengers will be supporting a free upgrade to its PS5 version when the console launches. The PS5 version will include a suite of improved graphics, frame rate of 60 frames per second if performance mode is selected, and of course, near instant loading. The PS5 and PS4 versions of the game will be cross-play with each other, so there is no disincentive to upgrade if you're on the PlayStation side, um, side, but we're still not sure about how that works across, you know, the aisle to the Xbox and PC side of things. Uh, next up, Private Division. Take Two's interactive, uh, Take Two Interactive's publishing label that put out Outer Worlds and Ancestors and Humankind Odyssey last year have announced collaboration with three developers for their next games: Moon Studios, which is a team behind the Ori games, which this is really interesting because I have, I've had it in my mind and it doesn't it's impossible. I've been thinking for a while that Microsoft would buy the studio. But who knows? Because Microsoft bought a studio whose game was the last private division game, The Outer Worlds, um, Bioware, <laughs> Obsidian. <laughs> uh, but I was going to say close enough, but no, not anymore. Not anymore. The, they bought League of Geeks, which is the team behind Armello, which is apparently a role-playing strategy board game from 2015 that I've never heard of or seen, but the art style looks really cool. And, of course, lastly, Roll7, the team behind the Ollie Ollie games, as well as some other games that they've done through Devolver Digital. So the publisher looks for what they call triple-I games. And I thought this was just an interesting tidbit. 
so they, they view Hellblade and the Outer Worlds as good examples of that. Games that fall between AAA and indie development. Because uh, AA is a little different, but really not. Essentially what's happening is this is AA, but they're leaning on developers who have always been independent and just really being like, we're going to make your AA game and we're going to call it AAA for fun. <laughs> which is Yeah, fine. it's interesting. Hellblade looks as good as plenty of AAA games. So yeah, and plays as well as plenty of AAA games, and despite being a very small game. So next up, more games are making their way across the medium aisle to movies and TV. With Netflix announcing a limited prequel series to The Witcher that shows the origin of the first Witcher, and Ubisoft's Beyond Good and Evil also coming to Netflix. Now, let me and add, I forgot actually another Splinter one. Cell. Splinter Cell. Let me ask you this. As somebody, because I remember, I tried to get into The Witcher 3. Oh, yeah. And I, it really failed just because I don't have enough history with that series to care about the world. Do you think that the prequel plus the Netflix series would get me to care more about The Witcher 3? Absolutely. I think the, the really? I think the Netflix series alone will make you care about The Witcher. Cool. The, that, the, that the actually, existing ones. That actually, both, but. That actually has some, hypes me up. Because I've, I've always I wanted to like The Witcher, despite the fact the first like four hours of that game is, is a drag. But I wanted to like The Witcher from the second there was that Baron quest. Yeah. Here's the thing. I, I just did. I couldn't. I couldn't muster up motivation to care about the world or the people in it. I and that's the thing. Or like I the think war that and the part politics. of that happens. Part of the, what's happening is you're coming into a third game of stuff that's been set up across all these games. Yeah, right? and books. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, and then you also have, of course, the fact that you might. I think you are one of them. You're not just the biggest fan of the combat, right? I didn't have a. I didn't have a problem with the combat. I just. I don't think I ever said anything bad about it. If I did, I, I said know there was someone else who wanted to like it, liked certain aspects of it, but then were also they said that it just felt like it was a lot to get into, and the combat wasn't amazing. I really I thought think, that was I, you. But. I think the I mean the the combat's simple. It's slash slash dodge slash slash dodge slash dodge. I definitely attack. think it gets more in tech than that, but I mean, don't be wrong. It's clearly a game that's the combat's just meant to be fun enough. To get you onto the next really cool like exploration. And what, what I might have said is that like people praise the combat system, and I said I don't think it's something special. Yeah, I could see that being what it was, and in my brain is just remembering it as yeah. not caring for the combat. But I do think you'd like it. Now, here's the thing about this: I want to see Henry Cavill's nipples. I think what's weird about The Witcher is like The Witcher makes sense. Doesn't mean there's not going to be more Witcher games, but we're not in this weird zone of feeling like, hey, there's there's a Witcher game that's already announced, but we've been delaying it over and over again, and you've never seen it. But also, hey, we're doing a show. And I feel like that's exactly where we are with Beyond Good and Evil. And Splinter Cell is a little different. Splinter Cell is something that people have been asking to return for years. And now it's like, well, we're, it's returning, but as a show. It doesn't inherently make it bad, but it's weird. Yeah. Then you have Beyond Good and Evil, where it's like you have a sequel that has been known about for five years. And we've seen very little on it. And you didn't even show it recently. You've not really said much about it. And the other game from Michael Ansel, who's behind it, is the wild PS4 exclusive that, again, nobody's known or, or seen. So you're in this spot where I feel like this is a weird look. I'll be right back. Go ahead. So let's see. Next up, in a surprise release, Cuphead, this is what Saw was teasing, has made its way to the PS4, uh, available to purchase now for $19.99 on the PSN. Alongside this release came the announcement of the DLC, which is still being worked on and has been for so long, but indeed is going to be coming to all platforms when it launches instead of an exclusivity window with one of the consoles, since now it is on Switch, Xbox, and 
PlayStation 4. So that's pretty cool. Uh, next up, a rumor concerning battery life for the DualSense has surfaced from Reddit, so take it with a huge grain of salt, but the DualSense is said to last three to four hours longer than the DualShock 4. Now, if true, this is one of those things where it's not quite the improvement I'd hoped for over the DualShock 4, because, again, this is kind of like anecdotal, but Saul also had a PS3, so I'm sure he has some say in this. You probably remember much like me. I feel like I could play my PS3 for a week and never charge my controller. You, you didn't feel that way. You could do that. Yeah, and then you come to PS4 and it's like, if I if we have a couple of heavy days of playing the forest. Oh, it's dead. I, I'm telling you, literally last... It dies at least once a night, if not once every two nights. Last night, um, <clears throat> uh, y'all made the joke about hearing my door creak after I made the joke about... Eric's mic being too loud. It's because I had to run to the run to the bedroom and get another USB cable to charge my controller. Gotcha. Because my headset was being charged, so to unplug my headset, run to the bedroom, grab a secondary USB controller or a cable to throw into my computer that, to then charge my controller. See, that's why I'm the biggest fan of docks because I hate having to plug stuff in. I hate so having you know my little dock they click on. I love it. Too much stuff on my desk. Too much clutter. Well, it's not even on my desk. It's completely elsewhere. But it's close enough to me I can reach it's it in your butt. It is in my butt. That's very true. How'd you know that? Um, but called, called a doc after all. You doc. Either way, even though it's not necessarily the improvement I want, I guess for most people, if I was being you know generous, I think for most people it gives an extra day of play. For other people, maybe two days max of play. You know, because I think most people would say that they try to get like two hours of gaming in. So four hours could be two extra days without having to charge it. But for like when we're playing the force the way we have been, that's like. That's one day. <laughs> well, well, Ryan is probably screaming at us because he's asked me before. He's like, I don't, I don't see why y'all don't just don't plug up your controllers when you get off every day. I don't like plugging in electronics that aren't in use or that I'm not around. Lord knows that the battery could fail and, and vent, and like there's now my carpet on fire. And I guess I'm that's not possible. There's always that one percent. Like I, I don't, le- I won't leave my laptop charging <laughs> while I'm not home. Nothing. I use that PSVR thing that just lets me push the controller down without having to put it. Any other, because like the thing about docks that's weird for controllers right now is that 90% of the docks make you put some kind of an extra dongle or extra thing taking up either your bottom plug or your top plug, right? Yeah. But that one that I have in there just uses the hole in the bottom of the DualShock that has the little uh, side slot and the 3.5. Mm-hmm. And it just, you click it down and it slides up in there and charges that way. So there's no extra. And I leave mine on there constantly and have no fear of that happening. So personally, while I'd want more battery life, it's just so mid-game it doesn't say DualShock 4 battery's low, because that's annoying. That's about the only downside I have, because all i got to do is stand up, unclick it, grab my controller, put my other one on there, click it down, hit the button, say it's me. It takes about 10 seconds, and I'm back to playing. I just don't need to have a need for two controllers. But that requires me to have two controllers. not a strong enough need for that. No, I mean, I agree with you. That's I, like having two phones. Oh, my phone died? Let me just t- take my SIM card out and put in my new phone. <laughs> That's what billionaires probably do. Probably. I, uh, Every time they have a phone dial, they just open up a new one. If you think about it for me, though, I bare minimum have two controllers because I have two PlayStations. Yeah. So you it's kind of a kid that can play games with you and yeah. stuff like that. Well, technically, I have two controllers, but I'd have to steal it from my wife. That's true. Yeah. But she's, so it, she's it's really playing, not. She's been playing more Minecraft. By the yeah. way, Minecraft updated on PS4. Again? I don't, know, I, I don't know when it last updated, but it's different. The menus, the main menu's different. You create your own character now. You can make them tall and short and fat and skinny and hair and beard and all kinds of different stuff. That's I, it's it's that game has gotten so expansive. I, that may be too much for me. Like that may be the line where like now it's like what? Yeah, it's it's 
It's crazy. Oh, well. Good for them, though. Next up, Warframe's next big open world comes August 25th across all platforms in the way of Heart of Demos. That's actually really cool because most, uh, most of the updates for this game have been like a month or two later on consoles. But now that Switch exists and they're trying to do this cross-play thing, I guess it makes sense that they have to start trying to get everything on some form of parity. Yeah. So that's that's actually a good thing. Uh, alongside this, though, comes the update uh, for the Helminth Chrysalis system, which lets players transfer abilities between Warframes, adding a much deeper layer of the customization to the game systems moving forward. That's good. I like to see that because typically you'd put your ability on one Warframe and it was stuck. Um, I really like what Warframe does, and I really I say it all the time. I wish I had more of a chance to play it because others wanted to play it with me. I'll play it like once a year for about 20 hours and just really love it, and then I start being like, I wish I had other people to play with. <laughs> so to that end, it is what it is. Uh, next thing up, though, for fans who like documentaries, a new documentary surrounding PlayStation titled From Bedrooms to Billions, The PlayStation Revolution. Documentary names are always interesting. Yeah, they're never, <laughs> they're never like, good. Uh, anyway, but- it was announced for release this September to coincide with the 25th anniversary of the first console's U.S. launch in 95. Remember, it came out in 94 in Japan. The piece will cover... The story of PlayStation from those early years all the way to the company as we know it now, and will feature appearances from many developers who have worked with the console, such as Hideo Kojima, Mark Cerny, Fumito Ueda, I think uh, Shinji Mikami is going to be on it, tons more. I will watch it because I am interested in seeing how they choose to portray things. But one of the things that's always interesting about documentaries to me is that they technically have some form of an agenda going into it. See, I was just going to say, <laughs> I don't like documentaries about companies that are that's essentially just jerking themselves off about how far they've gotten. Well, and I should say and that's that what this, this is a documentary. Like, PlayStation the title. didn't make the, the thing. I know, but, but it's, it's still, that's what it's going to be about, though. Yeah, it's someone who probably loves PlayStation. Being, and don't be wrong. This is cool. I'll watch it. And honestly, I agree with those things. But it is a weird optic to be like. I don't see. I don't like documentaries like that. Yeah. Like, you'll see um, documentaries about, like, I'll just make one up, like um, Chris Rock from, from Homeless to Stand Up Comedian Master. I'm like, I'm a fan of Chris Rock, but I'm not going to watch that. Like, I don't <laughs> care that much about his personal life. And, like, I know there are people there are. That's cool. But for me personally, yeah. I don't, I, I don't, I don't like watching documentaries about singular subjects, if that makes sense. Sure. Well, I, I should say singular subjects in terms of writing. I'll watch a documentary, like a crime documentary or something that's enthralling. But when you get into like, here's how this guy, here, here's how famous and million and, and, and rich this person is. See how he got there. I'm not interested. So I think my thing is, like going back to your thing, I even have a little bit of a problem because it's, it's easy to get caught up in it. But even like crime documentaries where it's like, hey, are, we're doing like a live documentary of this thing here. It's like the Netflix making a murderer. Don't get me wrong. Is it entertaining to watch? Yes. Do you? Is it up, biased? Is it biased as hell? Absolutely, it is, and it makes it hard because, like, you'll be finding yourself being like, "There's no way Stephen Avery did it," but it's like, are they just showing you the information that makes it From most look side. like he didn't do it? Yeah. And they've done a decent job of trying to act like they're playing, but they're clearly always leaning at least more on the side of he's innocent, which is fine. It's entertaining to watch, but you get people who are so enthralled over what they learned in this documentary, but you, they only learned. Carefully curated information. Isn't it crazy how just like last month I looked like Stephen Avery? Now I don't. <laughs> it's crazy how hair can change how a person looks. It definitely can. Uh, but the other thing about documentaries that I really like, and it's, I don't always do this from documentary. I just like reading random facts, and I like that documentaries will sometimes include random little tidbits of information. See, I, like it, you know, when we were doing the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire for Games and the weird games. Yeah. Things, 
I do really well on those, and all of us did well. But I do really well well on those with weird questions, like uh, which, who did, what character from PlayStation One did Ken, Ken Kudaragi hate? Crash Bandicoot. Yeah. But I only know that because I know from looking at Crash Bandicoot's design had to be changed. That's stuff that you don't just know. There you was just a learn it from weird stuff. Tyler put a lot of good questions on those. He like did. there was like some questions I'm like, man, I, I can't tell if you're making these up or yourself, which I think he was because I would see him over there and he'd be doing a lot of research on stuff while he was writing stuff down. So I'm like, I think he made all that up on his own. Yeah, I think he did too. Kudos to him. I know he listens to the show. Believe it or not. They were, uh, they were, what was it like last? It was, it would have been two weeks ago by the time this comes out, but they were sitting, sitting on a, uh, a cart at work during break. And they were, I walked by them and I was like, I was going to go sit down and they were like, Hey, so I'll come look at this game. And they're watching the forest. I'm like, okay. I'm like, y'all went and listened to our show. And then you pull up a video of the forest. <laughs> I'm uh, on to y'all. Being a little snide they're there. Slick. All right. Last thing here. And this one's going to be interesting. And I want to go ahead and kind of front load this with saying, I view this just as data. And data is really interesting because it's not always accurate. That's one thing. Uh, But it is an interesting insight into at least the way that these groups feel. So a recent survey of over 3,000 UK, and this is exactly the wording they used, pop culture fans, (laughs) asked participants if and when they plan on buying next-gen consoles. video game fans. Well, here's the thing. Definitely since quarantine has hit, video games have made their way even more so into pop culture than before. Yeah, but at the same time, see, I don't like surveys like this. Go ahead and get into it. I'll tell you why. Okay, yeah. So just to give a little bit of breakdown of the information and what it is, uh, 37% of the people uh, said that they will be buying a next-gen console at launch. 9% 9% said that they would be buying one within the first month, and then 12% said within the first three months, which gives them over 50% of people planning to buy within the first three months. But then the remainder, or not the remainder, but then the next one up is 26% of people were going to buy one within the first six months. Uh, so when asked which of the two new consoles they were most excited about, doesn't necessarily mean that they're not going to get the other one. 84% named PS5 as their device of choice which may be more imbalanced. And this is something I find interesting. I'm curious if this number is more imbalanced by the fact that Xboxes, whether or not it ends up being true, it's kind of hard to say right now because a lot of the games shown at the Microsoft event did not say Xbox One. They just said yeah. Series X, which either means that they're, that they're promised to support for the first 18 to 24 months of games being on both platforms is either not entirely true or every game we saw that had that is more than two years out. And it's really hard to say. That's actually a good point, because I don't think we're going to see Obsidian's uh, of our in, two year, in, less, in, in the next year and a half. I think it'll be I could about see that. two years out. I could see that. And then, that, but, and then there's like Hellblade, right? Uh, Sinuous Saga or whatever they're doing. Well, that was confirmed to be an Xbox X game, right? That's not a Series X game, is nope. it? Nope. Right now, all those stuff only says Series X, which is, don't get me wrong. As somebody a... who wants to see what that game can do, I'm happy with that. But it makes this messaging that Microsoft's been doing weird. So either way, regardless of whether the messaging's good, bad, right, or wrong, or they're really going through with it, right now, their messaging to what most people are going to be able to see is that there's no absolute need to upgrade to Series X. So I'm wondering if that is skewing people going out of the two, which one were you more likely to buy day one? Well, I'll buy PS5 day one because I'm going to be locked out of playing certain games that are only going to be on PS5, whereas Xbox exists in this window of right now, I can still play the exclusives on One X. That may not be something, but 
it could also be indicative of more issues with the brand as it relates to UK because this is specifically in the UK and the US yeah. is Microsoft's biggest market for Xbox whereas Sony's got big markets kind of everywhere so it's it's interesting as a worldwide looking at things from other parts of the world but it's not it's not even necessarily true to the way US feels so yeah. it's not necessarily indicative of what we hear and see from people well and that's the tricky thing with surveys of every kind um, i personally have adopted the mindset, and I've adopted this years ago, that surveys are full of shit. And here's why. <laughs> okay. You're going to get random people that get walked up, they get talked to, especially if these are conducted either online, on the street, wherever it may be. These are typically done, just to give you a little bit of insight into how most of these are done, done there are some times where it's just like you'll be walking around the mall and they'll be like, would you like to come take a survey? Yeah, those are especially the big, ones, the big <laughs> shitty ones. But, um, but I'm, there I'm talking are about ones that get they... emailed to you because, hey, you're on a mailing list for PlayStation. Here's, yeah. a, here's, a, here's a survey about PlayStation. But So that's a little different. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. That's, this is where you get into like there is so many backdoor questions that go into surveys. And one... Do they have an agenda they're pushing? Yeah. Two, why did I get this survey? Is it because you're asking me a question because you're publishing this on a PlayStation site and because I have PlayStation Magazine come to my email? So mm-hmm. you know you're going to get more higher uh, PlayStation things. Or vice versa, if I'm an Xbox fan and I have a Xbox Magazine emails. Yeah. Two, it says 37% saying at launch they're going to get it. Out of how many people? So it, Is this out of yeah. th- four people? And, and, three, and three of them were like, eh, and it made up 37. Like, no, I definitely do what you see. But I think here's the difference, I think, between yours. So, like, to, your first one, right, is, like, we're sending you a thing because, like, clearly you're a, you have a play, like you have a PSN account. So, yeah. we're sending you, like, actually, PlayStation, not even a month ago, sent me a survey for, yeah. about PlayStation. And well, I did Typically, it. that's about quality of service, exactly. though. Exactly. Yeah, and, that's And that's different. most of what it was. It was quality of service and what things you'd like to see out of the company. Yeah. Now, this opinionated surveys because like it says this. pop culture fans asked to participate. So what this normally is, is uh, market research firms, which are always go through, which are wrong 50% of the time. Oh no, they're wrong <laughs> a lot anyway. And yeah. actually one of the biggest things that people talk about, even people who are in it is just how hard it is to accurately analyze any. Once they get empirical data on this stuff. Yeah. Like, so do you remember back uh, as about six years ago, maybe a little bit longer, um, actually, almost a little bit longer, probably like eight to ten years ago, in the mall, you know where that kids' play area is? That corner office. That corner office was was a was a was a data management survey firm. Yeah, I never did it, but I knew people that. did And well, Jesse Dartels worked there for like a year. He was he was one of the only people that stayed there. And essentially, it was you're walking on the mall, and you have somebody come up to you and ask you a question on the survey, and you say, "Hey, you know, do you like butter on your popcorn? Yes or no? Do you like this kind of chips? Yes or no?" And then they take that. And then they sell that information, which is almost always forged information like what Jesse did. He signed uh, 50 of them surveys himself a day. Um, and then they send those to those other companies. They sell this information to these marketed companies to say 50% more people choose Lay's or yeah. something like that. Um, that's where you hear that, st- that. That's sometimes, not even most of the time, but that's sometimes where these that yeah. percentage come from. Then sometimes it's 3,000 people who are actually vetted and come through. Yes. And physically. Rarely do surveys yeah. vet people. And, that, and I'll tell you why. Because... They don't care. I shouldn't say vet. What I should say no, is that they that's account. A, that's a correct. That's I would I would say vet because the the wording I just to make sure we're on the same page. The reason I specifically say maybe not vet is vet means that they're looking at a bunch of extra information. Like typically when they say, "Do you have this or this or this?" I think a lot of the times what it is is more. What I'm trying to say is 
the best case scenario surveys are ones where they just find people go all the only requirement we have of you is that you consider yourself to be a pop culture person. Well, and, and see, since video games have invented pop culture, it's but, reasonable. Like this is just in relation to this, but in the then, best though, case scenario, this is something where all the people physically come in, they're accounted for to know that the data can't be falsified because you're right. The ones where it's email surveys, the one where it's a survey of like, we asked random people on the street what they thought. Yeah. It's really easy to just go, I can fill out 50 more of these and cause it's supposed to be anonymous. Well, no, anyway. I'm not saying that's not even what happens, but yeah. I'm saying like, so they pick pop culture people. Cool. Yeah. Say if I'm doing surveys at the mall about this exact same subject and I see somebody wearing a transformer shirt. Yeah. It's pop culture. I'll go up to him and he fits my pop culture. So that's, that's a pop culture person. I hit well, my first name. Pop culture. Technically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I say, Hey man, do you like playing Xbox or PlayStation more? I don't really play video games. Yeah. But do you like master chief or crash bandicoot more master chief? Oh, he, Xbox. But it's like, that may not yeah. have properly answered the question. <laughs> like that's, and that's why I, I'm not a big fan of surveys, even, even surveys when they are in relation to customer, uh, resolutions because nine times out of ten you get people who are entirely too entitled in that yeah. situation yeah. Um, and not only that but uh, you have it so that when you're on the other side of those surveys when I worked for CVS a yeah. three was a zero Oh yeah, five. Yeah, yeah. And it was like that's that's a B plus. But satisfaction surveys are always weird. Yeah, because they're actually from the top down loaded. Like if you go to a restaurant, they're like, "Would you please give us a review?" I've had waitresses seven. It's a zero. I've had waitresses be one hundred percent. They'd be like. If you could, like, I've had them ask me, be like, was there something I did wrong? Like, can I do better? They were like, well, even then, I've had, like, a, it kind of made me sad. Yeah. Because she did great. Oh, absolutely. And even if I consider it, a, even if I'd consider it a nine, right, which is not quite a 10, she's like, if you could please just put that a 10, because if you don't, it gets put as a zero. Yeah. And if it's, if it's zero, it affects the amount of hours I get the next which week. Which is crazy, too, because Gross. most of these times, you could ignore the survey and no damage is done because yep. that doesn't count against anybody. But then you're going to be that one. First of all, asshole person. I'm, I'm going to say this right now, and I'm going to mean it with the entirety of my heart. If you have a good experience and you're and you left a, a, an establishment and said that was a really good shopping experience, or that was a really good eating experience, oh, I get a survey. I'm going to rate them a nine because nobody's perfect. Do not ever watch the show again. <laughs> I always think write about us the a people. Ni- write us a nine on podcast services and get the hell out. <laughs> I can't stand those people. Working in a pharmacy, you'll get so many reviews like, oh, they filled my meds on time. The pharmacist was friendly, and it's 8.5, but they'll say, but nobody's exactly perfect. But they won't say why. <laughs> and sometimes that's just a proprietary thing like, I'm not going to give them 10 because nobody's perfect. <laughs> not realizing that, oh, little Sally who works in CVS now lost 80 hours a week because yeah. of this one survey or something. Redonkulous. So. But- Going back to this survey, I think the other bit of information that's going to make this weird is like, let's just say this is a best case scenario survey still, right? Right. The problem with that still comes down. That's why I say surveys are just interesting to look at a thing and just fun. see what people, yeah. It, to get a, a very fun loose and, consensus. And a very loose consensus, yeah. But the thing about this that's even more weird, right? Not only do we have messaging playing parts into whether or not someone may want to actually upgrade to from the Xbox. Yeah. So that's that's one thing that would really mess with these numbers potentially. But the other thing, and really even then, right? I think what I would have loved is there to be a third question of um if you chose one or the other, why? Now that's weird because surveys do better with just a question. Which one A or B? Well, yeah, or because, A, B or C. Because the second you start getting and this is a flaw in surveys themselves, but the second you start getting critical thinking 
there's not an option for what you critically thought of. Exactly. So I think that maybe the way to do this, just out of curiosity, would do, would be to look at that and go, this is a data that tried to also take into account this information. So if someone said that they were going to go with PS5, it, excuse me, it'd be an additional question of, if you chose PS5, was your reasoning for not wanting to choose Xbox in relation to their policy about exclusives? Not like that, but it and was... And that could be a simple yes or no, at least. Or is that just because you're getting a PS5 because your son likes it and you got picked for a survey and that's you're buying good, it for Christmas? Good, yeah, good, good. Uh, it's hard to get that much in the weeds. Well, th- here's a real big problem with this kind of sur- a survey. How many people did the survey? Because telling me 37% of the people who did the survey say they're getting PS4... What is I, I could do like what is what is thirty so, what is thirty seven percent? I mean, well, I'm trying to think. Say there's twenty people, thirty seven percent of that would be. Well, what? this was a survey of three thousand people. So, this oh, so was, we actually did get so so we actually did get a full number on this one. Yes, so thirty thousand people. Thirty seven percent of three thousand is. <laughs> no I'm trying to think. I don't like doing math on the spot. I don't. I try to do math on the spot, but no. Uh, either way, the, bad for what comes down to it, this is actually in relation to kind of what you're talking about, right? The fact that over 50% say within the first three months is really interesting, and I feel like that's so weird that, that should never be the case. Because if you're telling me over 50%, because what they try to do with this data is say of the UK gaming population, this three this three thousand is supposed to kind of represent a pick all that would be at least close to the entire gaming or the entire populace of of um of the uk but here's the problem because quarantine has driven so many more people to gaming because they're locked at home 1100 people it's really easy for them for people to be at home and been gaming a bunch recently but the moment that everything comes off of lockdown they go back to their life and maybe while they gain gaming as a hobby it's never a major hobby right now it's really easy to say like yeah you know i'm at home and i'm playing these games and you know it it's cool, but you know the next gen console seems really exciting, so I'm gonna go ahead and buy it day one. That way, I have something to do. But the quarantines things that's it's going like a, across it's like the world a, it's right like now. It's like a fun idea because they have nothing to do right now, or not as much. So I'm, they're like they yeah. kind of want to get back into it. But. It's a, it'd be again. I don't know that this survey exists, but I'd be really interested to just see a survey as big as you can get of people and ask them: Did you recently get more either into gaming or way more into gaming since quarantine? Yeah. All right. From that. Do you see yourself staying this committed to gaming post quarantine? Yeah. I'm wondering how many people become core gamers because of quarantine and how many people become casual gamers from quarantine and how many people just completely stop playing games because quarantine's over. Yeah. And and you could never, it's literally impossible to tell. But yeah. But the survey's always fun to think about, though. They are. But like you said, do not They're just flawed. It's very hard to want to use this them. as real data. It, if nothing else, it looks like if you wanted to take this as what it all comes down to is ignore the percentage as a whole. Let's just say that seemingly it looks like PlayStation has got a bigger foothold in the UK than and then Microsoft, and I'm sure there's cell numbers for those regions that back that information up. Bang, you got it. I have a fun community's take. Go for it. What is one feature you want on the PS5 that you know for sure won't be there? It's a dream feature. Uh, you could say, "I wish my PS5 would make me chicken nuggets." It's gonna be a fun one, dude. Something you, but something you really do want. Like, I mean, if you really love chicken nuggets, you really might want that, and that's good for you, man. Good for you. Hey, whenever the things where people were worried about the the, the actual PS5 looking like the dev kit, they wish that they could wash their feet. No, the, the uh, fact that they wish that they could actually heat pizza slices individually up in the see, little V. I want fun answers like that. We've been having a lot of serious <laughs> Games Pass, or not Games Pass. I'm the Games Pass on my line. Uh, community take questions. So yeah. What one dream feature do you want to see on the PS5? It could be unrealistic. And uh, that's it. As Brett said at the very beginning of the show, you waited to the end, so now you know 
you well, now you can learn where to find us. We are found on YouTube every Monday at 12 noon Central Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time across all podcast services around the globe as well. Uh, if, they, if you happen to visit one of those and you can leave us a rating, we would greatly appreciate it. Be honest with it. doesn't need to be positive. doesn't need to be negative. Just be honest. Give us your thoughts. Also, we have some cool social media services. You can find us over on Facebook at Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. It's a group. And uh, on Twitter at Triangle SQRD. That, my friends, is where you can get involved with the community's take. So you can answer that question next week for the first time in your life. Yep. Come get involved with that. Also, our Discord, which we also have in the YouTube description below. As always, now, if you love hearing people rant like we just did about surveys for 20 minutes, be sure to tell your friends about it because they'll probably <laughs> love to hear it too. We have a group of great patrons who love us and we love them, and I think Brett's going to get on to reading that here in a moment. We've got it. After so, we thank you for your time. Thank you, guys. We'll we see you, you next all. week. Thanks to our patrons. Special shout-out to someone I couldn't add before we started recording, but Eric Mr. Eric McAllister has resubbed to being a patron, so thank you so much, man. Uh, from there, we have also got Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green, my name is Dan, Luke Bartolomeo, Shan, uh, Shan, Sean Santarut, <laughs> Funk Turkey, Danny Villalobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popst, Kevin Bacon Bits, Joshua Lago, Shadowist, Steven Salazar, the Stoner, Travis Blow, Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanland, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Zachary Sawyer, Landis, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, Elchabib, Jason Clendenning, and lastly, Tyler B. If you would like to become a patron, head over to patreon.com slash nartech and consider giving as little as a dollar per month to support the show. Thank you.